0: What's going on, everybody? This is J.M. Banks, Urban Alchemy Podcast. I hope you all are having a great, wonderful day as usual. Got another amazing episode for you all today as you all know i go out of my way to find the most interesting people in this city going out of their way to do something out of the box different just not something you ordinarily hear going on in our community and i found one of those people today i am joined in the studio with miss maria de lopez did i get that right
1: you said it with the best of your abilities yes you did (laughs) okay well now that
0: i feel stupid go ahead and correct me
1: (laughs) no you did it right it's Marie de Lopez, yes. Oh,
0: I have to put that little de Lopez on it. You too. Oh, my bad. You gotta
1: put that tongue sound on there,
0: too. Yeah, well, you just tried to call literal. me John when I met me. So I was like, yeah, you gotta say both. You gotta I say was, them.
1: I was definitely making sure that the combination was, you know, appropriate. yeah, it's a thing. It, it's a night. Okay, you I gotta say the it. whole thing. I can dig it. Mr. Lopez. Jean Michael.
0: Well, it would be Jean Michel. It's French. And if it's Spanish, it's Juan Miguel. Duly noted. You know what it is in Italian?
1: I mean, I'm listening. Giovanni
0: Michelangelo.
1: I don't believe you. Yeah,
0: I've looked it up. <laughs> looked up a lot of stuff about my
1: name. <laughs>
0: Actually, because John and Michael are like the two most common Anglo-Saxon names in the world. Oh, and you're just so fortunate to have them. Both of them. That's how original my mother is. <laughs> Shout out to you, Deb. <laughs> Deb.
2: Thanks. <laughs> Deb, you're here.
0: Yeah. And Miss Lopez is joining us from... Pink Street Paranormal. I keep wanting yeah. to call it Paranormal Street Pink. <laughs> like there was a Paranormal yeah. Street Red and a Paranormal yeah. Street Black.
1: Blue Street, Yellow Street. Yeah, these are the Pink Street. This is the Pink Street Got paranormal. you.
0: Yeah. Like the Green Street hooligans.
1: Yes, completely different realm of work, but I get it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I was super excited to get you, get you in here. As my listeners know, I love Halloween so, so much. Like, oh. I don't care about very many holidays at all. Period, point blank. But Halloween has always just had a super soft spot in my heart. And I was like, yo, if I can get some people on for Halloween, that would be mm. so dope. And then I came across you, and I was yeah. just like, this is this is some BS. <laughs> Somebody's, like, just lie. doing this to play with people. And I looked at your page, and I was like, hey, can I have some more information? <laughs> I mean, it, it's so it's so awesome that you're doing this. I mean, tell me about the field you're in and yeah. how many other people. Why haven't I ran into other, you know, oh. young black woman hunting ghosts?
1: No, that's an amazing question. I'm an amazing guy. And, <laughs> touche. And it's uh, Pink Street Paranormal is an agency I started about three years ago. It's a paranormal investigation agency. I focus more intently on ghost hunting, as most people call it. And I focus my investigation specifically on the state of Missouri. So as we go along with the podcast, I'll kind of break down why I hone in on Missouri so much. And um, being a African-American woman brings a, a little bit of a Wait, unique...
0: you're African-American?
1: Not as in a literal form. <laughs> I
0: didn't even notice. I don't see not, race.
1: Not in a literal form, but um, <laughs> in a culturally identifiable form, I guess you can say. But uh, being a black woman, as the title prevails, you don't have very many people that participate in what I do, especially in the black culture. It's not recognized, it's not observed as much as it is in the counterpart cultures, you know. So you don't really see much of it. I know in the South they have, um, you know, a lot of the voodoo practices uh, that most of us are familiar with, but to actually have a ghost hunter that is a a new stretch of field and interest so um i am actually the only black ghost hunter in the united states there are some black male ghost hunters there's actually the um what are they called they're called the the brothers the hatch twins brothers huh the Hotch twins no Oh. No. Ghost Brothers is the name of the uh T V series that comes on travel, the travel channel. And they're it's 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 interesting to watch their level of investigations and if you ever seen a paranormal investigation show, you already know. You know, they have a big, grotesque building that they go in and they investigate and they talk about the history of it. So with the Ghost Brothers, it's more of a, I see it as more of a comical set, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I like it, but then I don't like it. Because with what I do, I want people to take my investigation serious. I want them to see that what I'm a part of, is a, a serious platform of investigations that, like I said, they hone in specifically in Missouri. So you don't have many of me's out there, but not to say they don't exist. They may not just be getting as much exposure as what I'm trying to do with my platform in particular.
0: Right. That's, I hear you. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you have, like, a full, <laughs> wide range to, like, promote. Like, you have the market cornered in yeah. this capacity. So, yeah, shout out to you.
1: Yeah, You're an original. Thank you. You Yeah, I I just want people to know that there are individuals out there just like me that are intrigued with the paranormal, the spiritual realm, you know, entities and different forces that a lot of us try to, um, I don't want to say pretend don't exist, to just don't want to take, don't want to practice, you know, or take interest in. Mm -hmm. And... There, there's people, like, the, the background on how I got started with Pink Street Paranormal is based on my own personal experiences. And this is not something that, uh, being a black woman, you can come out and just discuss in your community. You can't talk about experiences and happenings like this because this, our particular culture, doesn't adopt it as well mm. as other cultures. Right. So, growing up... <laughs> It was a very interesting life for me, just holding in a lot of the things that I was exposed to and a lot of the experiences I had and not being able to share them with people that I was close to. You know, just, it was a difficult childhood. I mean, it was, what, it was what kind hard.
0: of experiences, when you say experiences <laughs> specifically, like you mean actually yeah. like interactions or like oh, occurrences? Yeah.
1: Tell me about actual, the first one. Do you remember the first one? Actual interactions and occurrences is what. I, um experience so just to give you a little bit of background as far as my my upbringing i'm uh, the middle child of nine kids my mother and father uh, they wanted a big family my, my father was an only child my mother came from a big family so uh there was nine of us and we moved from the inner city back when i was about three and a half barely scraping the age of four and then uh, we commuted out to south kansas city where, you know, can, there's that median, Kansas City slash Grandview area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're familiar with Grandview, um, there's a street called Food Lane and there's a street called Longview, and they kind of intercept. So in that area is this strip of houses, ranch-style houses, that were built in the 1950s, and we lived on that strip. Now, back in the day, um, not without telling too much of my age, back then, there was, um, the neighborhood was predominantly white. We were like one of the only families that lived in the area that were black. So um, my mother was a nurse. My father was a cab driver. So with them two working and having us, we you know, that was kind of like a classification of us being in a well-off family back then. At least that's what other people perceived it as. So when we, trend, when we transitioned from the mid, uh, Midtown area out to South Kansas City, we kind of like adopted a new lifestyle, new outlook, Moved into this house, and little did we know, we were moving into a house that was going to change my life entirely. Oh, damn. And,
0: and how old were you?
1: I was almost four. I was three and a half. Oh, so you remember that? House. Absolutely. The thing about um, my experiences as a child, I can remember everything as far back to when I was two years old. Oh. I can remember things so vividly and in great detail. That's wild. And it's interesting because most people say, I can't even remember back to so when I was seven or eight years old. I don't remember all those details. I can't, how do you remember all this stuff? But um, but I remember. I remember everything verbatim, I remember everything detailed, such vivid details of everything. I can recall events and act- activities that happened with other people around me that they may not even remember happened so but yeah so it 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 goes far back as as my early childhood when uh the happenings as i call it started and um it actually started day one when we moved into this house in grandview off longview road i'm not gonna put the entire location out there um just due to disclosure reasons um it's funny because in the state of Missouri, back in the '90s, uh, prior to the '90s in the late '80s, '70s, they had a law that required the disclosure of any type of um, paranormal event. If there was a murder, if there was a if there was a suicide, if there was any type of event like that, it was a requirement to disclose that to any potential um, buyer or uh, potential tenant. You had to tell that new owner. About those details and if you didn't you know you were in violation of the code and the law it's a good so, law well um kind of sorta it's a, it's a good law um i mean in favor of the tenant the new owner it gives them the opportunity to decide if this is the property that they want like going into the store and saying i want this dress and because of the 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 shape of it the style of it the design of it you know but back then in the in the early 1990s they changed that law. And what they call what this law is classified as is a psychologically impacted property. So in the in 1991 they changed this because there was a lot of reports coming out that people were having paranormal experiences living in certain sectors of Kansas City. So the reports got so overwhelming that they changed the law to where you're not you're no longer required to disclose if a property was impacted psychologically as they classify it you're not required to tell the new tenant or the new uh potential homeowner that this house is reported as being haunted or somebody might have gotten murdered in here or shot or you know committed suicide you don't have to disclose that and they changed that law for a reason um again because they were getting so many reports so but my, my experiences, my, my hauntings, these happenings started the day, the very first day that we moved into this house on Long Beach Road. Nah. And um, we, the house itself was barely 1,000 square feet. And there was me and six other siblings at the time. The two youngest ones weren't, well, there was uh, seven siblings, including myself. And my mother was pregnant at the time. So she was pregnant with my youngest sister. And when we first moved into the house, it was one, one bathroom, three bedrooms, had an attached garage on the left side. Um, if you walk in the garage, there was a kitchen door that led to the right side, and then there was a fairly decent-sized fenced-in backyard. And, you know, moving into that house was like a come-up for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't, my father and my mother didn't think that anything, you know, out of the ordinary was going to happen. You know, these, these weren't things that you just, you know, premeditated events or anything like that. We just moved in thinking that we were getting into a better environment. But little did we know we were getting into a very scary experience.
0: So what were the first experience? And was it wasn't just you or did everybody have these across the board?
1: We all had experiences. And that's what makes this story so unique because um being ten people in the house, you know, there's it adds a little bit more validity to, to our experiences because we all went through something and we were all able to connect. So day one, when it comes to me, um, I was a tomboy. I liked playing with boys' toys. I was a very um, spontaneous, curious, rambunctious child. And I'm, I'm kind of still that way. I'm very um, intrigued and want, always want to learn more things. So I used to have these yellow Tonka trucks. you know, If anybody's in their 30s, you remember these yellow Tonka trucks and these Tonka truck toys from back in the day. So I used to have a whole bunch of them. And one of them that I had was a yellow Tonka truck and it had the metal back on it that lifted up and it was like my favorite toy, I took it everywhere. So I took this Tonka truck and I'm rolling around the gravel. We had a gravel driveway um, that, uh, led into the garage. It's just nothing. It wasn't a, it wasn't a paved driveway. It was just all gravel. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm rolling it around the rocks and I roll it into the driveway into the garage. And as I'm rolling it into the garage, I just felt this weird feeling. It was just like, you know, when somebody's stand, standing behind you, even if you do know they're there or not, mm-hmm. it's just that, that eerie feeling that you get. So I got this eerie feeling when I started rolling my, my toy into the garage and then all of a sudden I look up to the right and there's this dark shadow figure just kind of floating to the right in the garage. So I'm a kid, you know, I've seen a bunch of cartoons. I didn't really think too much into it. I just kind of looked, glanced, saw it was there, thought it was a shadow from the sunlight and from us moving into the house. And this was like day one when we first moved in. So I didn't really think too deep into what I saw, and I just kind of brushed it off. So later on in the day, as I was packing, helping my parents unpack, moving things into the house, running around the house, looking at things in each room, trying to figure out where I'm going to be posted at. Mm -hmm. So I'm rolling my truck in the hallway, the corridor that leads to the right side of the house because there's a ranch style house um so I'm, I'm going to the right side of the house and all of a sudden my truck stops in the middle of the hallway so i can't push it anymore so i'm pushing it because i'm thinking like maybe it's stuck or maybe my wheel came off because you know when your wheels come off you got to check them and put yeah, them back yeah, on because yeah. the car won't the truck won't move so i pick it up and i'm looking at it and i'm spinning the wheels they're spinning put it back down and I try to push it towards the um, hallway, towards the back rooms and it won't move. So I took it to my dad and I had him look at my wheels and make sure they're on tight. And then I brought my dad to the area where I was sit, where I was trying to roll, where I was kneeled down at, and I tried to push the truck and it wouldn't move. So um, at that point, I'm thinking maybe it's just something, you know, wrong with the hallway where that particular toy was at. And then later on in the evening or later on in that uh, afternoon it hadn't really gotten dark yet. I run out to the garage, and in order to get to the garage, you got to go through the kitchen. So I go through the the kitchen and I'm standing in the doorway where the garage leads to the where the kitchen leads to the garage. And my dad had a long station wagon. It was like a tan colored station wagon, and it was parked in the garage. And I looked on the other side of the station wagon, and there was that dark, shadowy figure. So I'm, like, looking around because it was, like, towards the evening. So I'm, like, there's nothing as far as any objects, objects like, um, coming from the sun and causing that so shadow. So it was, like, a human figure? It, it, had this, it had the shape of a human figure. It had the silhouette, shall I say, of a human figure. And um, it was just staticky. It was staticky and black, and it was just floating, By my father's car so i looked and i just ran back into the house because i'm like i keep seeing this shadowy figure what is this and um fast forward a little bit where one of the incidents that was a pretty intense incident and you know at the time me and my siblings you know we grew up in a family where my father and my mother they were the disciplinarians they were the ones that you know they had all the authority so we didn't, they were very, very protective over us. So we didn't really go out a lot. You know, we were very restricted. Um, so my, my parents, you know, we couldn't talk to them and tell them things. Because if we did, we would be overstepping our authority. So um, my mother was in the kitchen, you know. And this is where we're a moment where I thought maybe my parents were, were seeing the same things that we saw. Because my siblings, they were seeing that same shadow. But, um, you know, we tried to talk to my father about it, and we got shunned, and it got dismissed. He, ultimately, it got dismissed. So we knew we couldn't talk to them about it. So my mother was in the kitchen, and she's a very anal-retentive woman. She likes to organize everything. You know, you walk in our house, you don't even know there's kids living there. That's how clean our house was. So she's in the kitchen, and she's organizing stuff. So I'm in the kitchen helping her. Um, and I'm helping her put stuff away and she's putting stuff in chronological order. Everything has to be beautiful. So she's pregnant at the time. She's seven months pregnant. And my youngest brother is in the bedroom and my two older sisters is in the afternoon. My two older sisters were outside Then my brothers were out back. They're older than me. And it was just me, my mom, my baby brother. And then, um, um, she's pregnant. My father wasn't there. He was out doing some shopping. So my mother, all of a sudden, hears my brother cry. So me and my mom, we run into the back bedroom to see what's going on with him. And then all of a sudden, we hear what sounds like a train just run through our house. And it was so loud and it was so intense that it made the entire house shake. So me and my mom, my mom grabbed me and she grabbed my brother because she's like, did somebody run in the house with a car? That's like how intense this movement was so we have been in the room maybe a couple minutes and then we leave the room and then we go into the kitchen we're walking back and mind you the house is very small everything is connected and, and close so we're walking down the hallway and we get to the, the living room and the living room was across from the kitchen and um everything that we had put away was all over the floor it was out it, the whole air all the cabinets the food everything that my mom put away was All back out on the floor.
0: So how long did y'all stay there?
1: We stayed there a year and a half. Oh man! Which is actually a long time considering everything that we went through.
0: So how long did you say after y'all moved in you started experiencing those paranormal? Day one. Day one, y'all stayed for a year and a half.
1: Stayed for a year and a half. Some
0: of these everyday occurrences, like once a week. These were were everyday
1: occurrences, and it would occur with different people. Here's the thing with growing up with my father. My father was a very strict person, so. He was the disciplinarian, he had the full authority in the household. My mother was very, very passive and reserved and she bent to the knees and the authority of my father. So trying to get something through to my parents and for them to believe what we were saying was going on was like, it, it was like pulling teeth. And we couldn't overstep authority back then. We, we were not allowed to challenge our, our, our parents' um, authority. Or what they said, or what they said things were. So, whenever something happened, my father would blame it on us. Mind you, it was a lot of us that lived in that house. So, any any incident that took place, it was us. We are making it happen. We caused it. We we couldn't. We came together as kids, but we couldn't come together as a family, to try to figure out how, to resolve what it was we were experiencing. So my father, he was very bullheaded. So he was a very serious skeptic he didn't believe anything that was going on even if he's seen something for his eyes and i'm talking about and i'm not talking about anything that's a light experiences i'm talking about some real poltergeist shit so you can excuse my french but nah fuck it. you <laughs> that lightened the ice a lot but you know um you know what you see in tvs when you see people flying around and and stuff like that and objects flying around in front of you my dad literally saw me get lifted in the air in the middle of the afternoon and get thrown across the room and hit the wall, and he blamed it on my brother. So this is the type of experiences that we had. This was like not, no, oh, my gosh, I can hear footsteps in in the upstairs attic or anything like that. This was real-life physical attacks that we went through, like scratches, and we would always hear growling, and it was really intense. But my father was such a skeptic that... He null and voided everything that we were going through as us being the perpetrators of it. So it was very hard for us to actually get through to my parents and even though we believed that my mom knew something was going on, even though we believed it, she couldn't express it to my dad. She couldn't say, okay, you know I, I, I feel like something's going on I, I don't I don't want to stay here anymore she didn't she didn't have that voice because my father wouldn't allow her to. so. We had to endure that, you know, we couldn't talk to any, we were trained kids, like, we were very, my father, he was in the military, you know, he had a very disciplined mindset, and he wanted a big family, he was an only child, and he used to always tell my mom, I want a bunch of kids, and that's exactly what he had, a bunch of kids, we were all stair steppers, so, but he trained us, kind of like how um, Joe Jackson trained the Jackson Fives, like, we were very trained, So we didn't tell anybody what we were experiencing. We um, lived in the area, like I said, it was predominantly a white neighborhood. We were the only black family in the area. Um, My parents didn't let us go out a lot. So we didn't have a lot of interaction with a lot of the kids in the neighborhood. There was a a family that lived across the street that we would interact with. Um, There was a little girl named Missy that was was my age. And then there was a, a girl that was her sister that was a little bit older. She interacted with my older sisters. So we had that interaction. Like my parents were so strict on us, they monitored and screened who we went around. We couldn't just be around any kid. So you know, like I said, trying us trying to have a voice in that situation was was uh, almost impossible.
0: Man, so after you guys left after a yeah. year and a half of that, I mean,
1: yeah, was it a while
0: before you experienced any like paranormal things
1: after? Have, yeah, after, after y'all we laughed. left, you, you know what. <laughs> And the interesting part about that is after we left that house, the activities that we experienced that were so heightened were not as um they weren't as active as that particular house. But we did move into three more haunted houses. Oh wow. After that. Um, again, the entities, you know, I don't know what anybody's religious background is, but entities, ghosts, demonic forces, whatever you want to call it, they weren't as Active, as they were when we lived on Longview Road. So, um, but we still had activities, you know. So, I was the I was kind of like the core mm-hmm. of a lot of the the activities. I don't know why, you know. Um, my other siblings they experienced things, but when it came to me, I was the one that was always attacked the in the most grotesque way. My the one. one that gets thrown across the room, just flown into the air, and tossed to the room, and um just taunted the most so my mom felt like it was something wrong with me so she took me and again we didn't really we weren't really big on going to church and stuff like that so she took me to meet a pastor and make a long story short with that situation the pastor pretty much told my mom well you need to restore your faith in god in order for her to be recovered from what she's dealing with so she felt like she didn't have an outlet and anything that we were um trying to get through to people in our community she felt like she didn't have an outlet so when he said that to her she just kind of closed herself off because she felt like i can't talk to my husband yeah i can't talk to my sisters because my, my my father didn't like my mom's siblings so we barely interacted with our family um you know she felt like Excuse me. She felt like she didn't have a a way to communicate with anybody. And she just kind of closed it off. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, in your professional... In your professional opinion, why do you think that the black community does view spiritualism and paranormal occurrences and mm-hmm. just anything pertaining to death in the life after that's outside of the sphere of God in heaven is, is yeah. automatically taboo.
1: Yeah. You know, there's, uh, there's so many cliches that, that are surrounding that, uh, particular viewpoint, but I believe that just going all the way back into the, um, uh, pre-Civil War area, the, uh, pre-Civil War era. That the things that we endured as as black people, we formed this mental strength to to surpass and overcome anything that we felt were uh, afflictions to us. Right. So, um with that being said, that strong minded um, cultural uh, component that we carry as black people, is something that is a force field to block off anything that tries to penetrate us. So when you're dealing with paranormal things and you're dealing with things that um, are outside of what is classified as a normal occurrence, we tend to feel like we can block those things because of what we historically went through. And we have that strength and that force field. So, and I see that so much when it comes to dealing with uh, investigations that I've conducted when it comes to black uh, families. You know, they're, they're, they're skeptics until they have those experiences, you All know. Right. And then when you have those experiences, it's like, you know, I wasn't a believer and I didn't talk about things like this and I couldn't talk about it with my family because I didn't think they would believe me. It's such a norm of understanding. It's almost like an unspoken rule
0: yeah. in the
1: black families to don't talk about things like that. So um, what I'm doing with what my paranormal investigation team and company organization is, is to bring exposure to these happenings, these, these occurrences, these, these paranormal events, because it does happen. And, you know, I shunned it for years because I was afraid of what my community would say about me. I couldn't go tell my girlfriend, and I have a best friend I've been knowing since, you know, I was in first grade. She didn't find out about my experiences until a year ago. Oh, wow. So I never talked to anybody about it because I was afraid of how people would view me and what they would think of me and, and if I were to tell them would I get rejected from my black my black culture. So what I do is I, I open this, this, this platform up to bring exposure to a community of, of happenings that most of us don't want to talk about and, and most of us pretend doesn't exist when it really does.
0: Okay. So have you received any of the like negative criticism from like people?
1: Well yeah. Yeah, um absolutely. And it's it's so unfortunate that it, it comes from my own people. Yeah. And to be expected but then at the same time it's almost like just embrace the fact that somebody's coming to you and coming out with what their experiences and sharing them with people. You know, you think it would have an adverse effect, but it's almost like, you know, you don't believe in God enough or there's those, those religious things that are thrown at me. You're dealing with these things or you've dealt with them because your family didn't go to church enough. Mm. You know, there's so many critics and there's so many, uh, so much, so much criticism and you now the stereotypes are just thrown at me. And it's just like, if I don't have this position in, in my life, then I'm going to go through all of these ex- external, um, situations. Yeah. But yeah, I've been criticized, I've been judged, I've been shunned, I've been counted out, and I got to a point in my life where it's like, you know what, damn if I do, damn if I don't. When I'm doing something wonderful that everybody likes that people think I should do, I'm still going to be criticized and judged. So I just got to a point where I was like, you know what, I'm going to do and expose what I believe in. And if a person likes it, that's great. And if you don't like it, Hey, you learn to look at me in a different viewpoint. Hopefully it's a more constructive one. But if you don't if you don't participate in it, that, that's fine. You know, I don't get in the habit of trying to force feed anybody into this these experiences with me, you know. Yeah. I don't force feed it. If you wanna be interested in it, that's fine. I'll leave that platform open for you.
0: Absolutely. I hit you up. I was like, Hey, that's dope. <laughs> I mean, I Feel like we need people out here in these fields doing things that's yeah. just outside the box. Like we don't need another customer service, right? We don't need another nurse. Another like,
1: nurse, Alice. Another nurse, Yeah, you it's know? like we
0: got yeah. enough. Like, those y'all... are some great
1: career ventures, don't get me wrong. But um no
0: nah, fuck that. I said it. <laughs> nah, I'm just joking. I'm joking. Yeah. But we we At need a point,
1: we definitely need people who are not afraid to live in the realm of who they are. Yeah. We we need those people. And uh, some people are so afraid to afraid to step outside of that box of this is what the black culture is, consists of. They're afraid because they're so worried about what everybody's gonna think. Right. I just developed a I don't give a fuck attitude. Good for you. I just I just don't. Look and at you, then, being all
0: feisty over there.
1: You know it took a while. Put I your little been.
0: boots on.
1: I had to wear my boots. These are these are my investigators. <laughs> I, was, I need
0: a couple more inches boots.
1: <laughs> do not not try it i tried
0: it it. i went there
1: i lived there for a few months and i came back home okay as long as you go back home to it it's cool yeah it's cool but i'm very comfortable in my uh in my attire and my appearance you know i'm I'm just very comfortable in me
0: Good.
1: and that's that's the difficult thing for a lot of people to be it's just just cool in their own essence
0: true
1: so um but, yeah, so, like I said, with what I do, I just want to bring exposure to a, a community and a, a culture that doesn't get a lot of light. Um, you know, ultimately, I want to take what I do and to create a production platform to give this, these instances more exposure. Because when you look at these paranormal shows and these, these paranormal movies, what do you usually see? Who was always on the front line? White people.
0: Oh, I was about to say ghosts. Goddamn, well, ghost stealing yeah, all the it attention.
1: Typically, goes through the front line of it, but Gosh. on the other sector, where are the people? It's like? Always, I know. It's always, it's always white people.
0: Well, that's because black yeah. people know not to go there. Well, that's why we don't it's... be in horror movies.
1: <laughs> We're well, like,
0: not... all the black people. We know not to go in the house,
1: right. and that's so <laughs> funny because we have that we know better attitude. We know not to do this. We're not going skydiving. We don't, you know. And it's just, you know, I just say live. And live unrestricted until you die. Well, because we're gonna die anyway. A ghost attack <laughs> because of a ghost attack.
0: I watch. Oh, first of all, horror movies are my favorite. I've talked to you about the Halloween. Just yeah, love it. Yeah, horror yeah, movies, love it. Entire week of ha- Halloween, I'm off.
1: <laughs>
0: One of those days, I'm probably just gonna stay home and watch horror
1: movies. Oh yeah, but binge watch them.
0: Ghost movies is like those you know, are. Do you? I mean, I'm sure you watch those differently.
1: Yes.
0: But those are still like the scariest ones. Definitely. Because I, it's like Michael Myers is like a guy like with Michael. a knife. He walks around. And you like outright. Does
1: it does it give you nightmares watching Michael Myers? Well,
0: I don't remember my dreams.
1: Mm. So it doesn't You don't matter. remember your dreams? No. You know I woke up
0: screaming once and my ex was like, What what happened? And I was just like I
1: don't know. <laughs> you know, um one of my unique abilities that most people are starting to become familiar with is I have the ability to see ghosts. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's not normal to hear it from a black woman, but um, it took me a long time to talk about it because I didn't want to freak my I have three kids daughter in college, one in high school and my son's in middle school. I didn't talk to them about it. So, you know, but I was I was more of a protector to protect them from whatever it is that I might have been exposed to. So, um, one of my unique abilities is the ability to see ghosts, but also also um, have empathic abilities. and an empath is somebody who is able to sense energies and sense emotions and feelings and you know have a have a deeper, more intimate energetic um exposure so i'm I'm heightened I call it a heightened empathic ability. And when it comes to actually being able to see ghosts, you know, I'm not a psychic, I can't predict things or anything like that, but I can definitely see apparitions. And I can see the silhouette of it. I can't see their face, but I can tell you if it's a negative entity, just based on the energy. Um, I can tell you if it's a man or a woman. I can tell you if it's a child. I can even potentially tell you what race it is. So with those abilities, those are um, great components when when it comes to my paranormal investigations or my ghost hunting ventures. So um, like I said, it was difficult for me. To talk about, you know, my father died in 2016 and after he passed away, I just felt like I could do and say whatever I want. I didn't feel restricted anymore. Right. I, did, I felt like this was an opportunity for me to just live. So, you know, did I lose some acquaintances as a result of it? Absolutely. Did I gain a lot of people's respect and attention as a result of it? Most definitely. <laughs> he, he's John Michael is raising his hand in the studio. <laughs> he gained my respect. Most definitely. Nah, Thank you.
0: She gained my attention. Who, gained Mr. your
1: attention. Gained I'll my let attention.
0: you know when respect is there.
1: Well, joking, of course. Yeah, long as long as I respect. got your attention, um, that's what matters to me. Just getting a, a people, getting people to look at things like, okay, you know what? This is interesting. This is another part of life that, yeah. you know, that I'm I'm afraid to visit. I'm afraid to visit this part, you know, and most people fear what they don't understand and they hate what they fear.
0: Yeah, and I was pretty much, yeah, I really don't believe in, in ghosts in the traditional sense, but I saw mm-hmm. some uh, UFO shit. So after that, I was just hey. like, I can't talk shit about anybody else now because hey. now I've seen some shit that I can't explain in my life.
1: Now so. you're one of those people who you have to explain <clears throat> shit, but, you know. I can't explain it. I
0: know it sounded ridiculous and crazy, but it was just like I saw it, like yeah. it happened, mm-hmm. and nobody can tell me anything differently. So it's just like you know, maybe other people have done you know, seen stuff too. So
1: yeah, exactly.
0: But creepiest shit that's happened is I was telling this story to, like some coworkers, and we were just like in our little cubicle corner, and I was just telling like yeah, I was outside on the park garage of my. Uh, complex at UMKC, and I was just uh, outside smoking a cigarette, uh, you know, outside of a party uh, and in one of these apartments. And all of a sudden, I saw some shit fly across mm. the sky, and it was like a, a triangle red light. Oh. And it was like perfectly almost symmetrical, but it was above the clouds. But it yeah. was like a perfect triangle. And as I was saying this to my one of my coworkers, and I was just like, it wasn't round though, like a traditional <laughs> UFO. And yeah. she said, dude. And by the way, I got goosebumps. Like, I don't you usually get goosebumps.
1: So she saw it too.
0: And I was just like, you, w- you, when did you see this? And she was like, it had to be like in 2012 or something. I'm um, like, bro, that's exactly the year I saw it. And I was like, was it in the summer or like close to the summer? She's like, yeah. yeah, I was like in May. And I was just like, oh my god this Mm. is crazy yeah and then i was listening to joe rogan podcast and he had like Mm. a ufo expert on there Mm. and he so happened to mention like triangular red unidentified flying like evidently it's a thing yeah and i was just like wow
1: yeah
0: and i was just like that connects me to all these people that are potentially crazy but that means i'm crazy so
1: well um you know you when you hear that there's other people that have had that same exposure as you it's it's actually alleviating yeah, It's so alleviating because you're like, okay, I'm at a different plateau of crazy, but I'm not alone in that. All right. You know, and, and that's how I feel because I had to find people that, that had these abilities like me. I had to go out and search for people that had had these exposures. And it's such a, it's such a great feeling. There's, there's even um, another confirmation that I got um, with the whole Ruskin. It's the Ruskin Heights district, wherever the house was in, on Longview. There was a lady back in the early 90s, she went to Ruskin High School, and she graduated in the early 80s, and she wrote a book in the early 2000s about Ruskin Heights. She, it's called Escape from Ruskin Heights, her name is Dana George, and it's, the, it's based on the true story, true story of her exposures and her experience with living in that area. That area has a lot of history, you know, it might have two, segment might not be long enough to talk in detail about this, but... That that area has a lot of um, history that gives ties to why a lot of these paranormal experiences are happening. So she wrote a book about it, and her house was literally two streets away from the house that I lived in. And it was like the experiences that we were going through were damn near verbatim to what she was going through. And she was a white woman. She was a white woman, you know, and she put that book out there. And when I finally one – one of my actual field investigators – he's the one that told me about it. He was like, have you read this book? And I was like, no, didn't even know it existed. So then I read it, and basically everything that she experienced was exactly what I experienced. Damn. So it was like so fucking relieving to see that, oh, my god, somebody really wrote a freaking book about everything that I went through, and I want to collaborate and communicate with them. Still trying to find her. But mm-hmm. it was such a relief.
0: She might be out there listening.
1: Yeah, I, I hope so because <laughs> I want to connect with her. Um, but it was a good feeling just when some people, you know, you can share that experience with people yeah. who've been there.
0: Yeah, shared experiences mm. definitely helps alleviate any anxiety <laughs> about you not being in your capacity. So, yeah, that was the first time I ever had any like body be like, "Yeah, I've been there too," and it's just like, "Yo, good, good, good." good. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah, um, it does kind of like uh, widen your
1: yeah view of
0: things, so to speak.
1: Absolutely. It but, does.
0: Yeah. So, Pink Street Paranormal. Where did the name come up?
1: Oh gosh, um, it's such an adorable name. From what I've been told, I actually was uh, venturing into some business uh, ideas, and I came up with this concept for a, a girl's hair salon, and I was gonna call it Pink Street. Mm. So I, I got the logo and all that stuff, and I just something just kept telling me it's not. It's not for you. So I had the name kind of lingering around. So after my father passed away, I still had the logo and the name and everything together. And then, you know, I said, I need to I need to have a, a name for what I'm doing, a name for my investigations. And I'm going from street to street, from uh, county to county in Missouri. I need a name. So I said, oh, shoot. So I started scrolling through all of my, um, my documents. And Pink Street, just, oh, I was like, Pink Street Paranormal, PSB. That's it. That's what I call it. And I already had my logo and everything set up and I just said it makes sense. But I also wanted to to twist it because, you know, most of the paranormal uh, agencies are so dark and, you know, gruesome and all that. I don't don't look at what I am and look at what I've been through as a dark form. I said Pink Street Paranormal kind of brings a different edge and brings a little bit more light and character to what I'm doing. Because I'm not afraid of who I am and I'm not afraid of what I've been through. Gotcha. So, but yeah, that's how the name was adopted.
0: That's stuff I like it. It wasn't too, you know, uh, it was it, you know it wasn't super dark like dark yeah. shadow
1: raven <laughs> paranormal dark, dark gothic paranormal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, I'll leave that for everybody else who wants it's to be
0: very, very welcome.
1: It's inviting.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like a, a picture like a female Ghostbusters that yeah, doesn't
1: suck. That's that like a really serious female ghostbuster yeah yeah. And, and that's what I tell people when I do my investigations. I'm not a ghostbuster per se I'm a ghost identifier. I can mm. tell you if there's a ghost presence or not so you're not crazy Oh, uh,
0: you're a ghost snitch
1: yeah pretty much You out
0: here snitching on a ghost yeah like, um, yeah you got a snitch you got a ghost in your house.
1: Do I have one in my house? No, I'm
0: saying you're telling people, Hey, you might gotta go see your house. And then oh, ghost's like, Man, come like, on, I'm trying free? to live here.
1: You really put me out there like that? Like, oh
0: I'm trying to live out here, rent free. You <laughs> out here busting me out. Rent
1: free. He was living there way. Yeah. Before he got
0: there. just trying to not pay ghost rent. <laughs> oh,
1: ghost rent. Oh, uh, you know that. I'm that so guy, using that. Rent. But yeah. So I um I uh it's interesting. It's just interesting dealing with people and seeing their responses when I'm, like, giving them the background on what they might have... One of my most recent investigations, I don't tell people what I see right off. Mm -hmm. I let them indulge me with what their experiences are. And then I come around and I collaborate with them after the fact. So, like, with one of my investigations, I had her tell one of my associates what was going on. And then... I would go and do my recording of what I believe was happening mm. and what I believe I felt. And then we would come back together. So that way they know
0: this is not a joke.
1: This is real. Okay, she can't see you Oh, my gosh. This is happening in this room or this part of the house. And yeah. it's just interesting seeing their feedback, just their expressions. And they're like, oh, my God. The really?
0: The house next door is supposed to be haunted. Really? Yeah, old mansion. It's Supposed to be like an old mafia. mansion. Is that mansion. what that is? Yeah. It looks
1: like a funeral parlor. At least. Yeah,
0: I, th- I think the lo- oh, it's so many like urban legends surrounding that place. Like I've heard it used to be an old mafia mansion, where they used to like throw all these old I party jazz totally parties see that in the twenties. this area, they used to murder people in the basement. And when they started that. doing renovations, they've been doing renovations on the house for, like fifteen years now. Wow! And when they started, everybody was like, "They're gonna find dead bodies in that basement."
1: Oh like, man! In the concrete. Like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. Like. Um, the, the the book that I, the manuscript that I've written, I haven't formatted into a, a published book as of yet, but I'm in that process. The book I wrote is called Ten Feet Under. And the reason why I gave it that name is because back in the day, during slavery, um, uh, during the pre-Civil War era, especially in Missouri, because Missouri was one of the last states to actually um, abolish slavery, and they were still doing a lot of underground stuff. Which makes a lot of sense why there's a lot of activity in Missouri alone. i uh,
0: look up Quantrell's Raiders.
1: Yeah, yeah, the uh, bushwhackers yeah. and the Jayhawkers, and it just gets so deep. It's so burnt
0: deep. down Lawrence, Kansas.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah, it's it's, it's so deep. There's yeah, um, but um, but yeah, so back in that era. They would slaves was considered property, so you know they would do whatever they wanted with their slaves. And when they buried slaves or um, immigrants that they had and they used um, for farming purposes and to tend to their land, they would bury them in segregated um, unmarked graves. And when they buried them, they buried them more than 10 feet deep because sometimes if you shot a slave or stabbed a slave, they still had the ability to crawl out if the, if the hole wasn't deep enough, mm. which a lot of them did. So they started digging the graves further than 10 feet deep because they felt like the deeper it is, the less opportunity for the slave to get out of it. Mm. So um, when it comes to, like, uh, mausoleums and, and historical uh, facilities like the one next door, um, most of those people probably either buried them underneath or had some area where they would bury the people far beneath the surface. Um, if you notice, that a lot of the houses in Kansas City are ranch-style homes. a lot of them, Some of them have basements, but a lot of them don't have basements. And they're always built up. Mm-hmm. or Either they don't have a basement in this one big flat. They did that for a reason, especially in South Kansas City because of all the unfortunate deaths that took place in the 1800s. They buried everybody so... And such a a segmented area that they built the houses on top of their burial sites. Yeah. So there's a lot of, like I said, there's a a lot of historical um, information that ties into a lot of these paranormal events that are going on.
0: Yeah. There's a reason almost every Stephen King story has to do with an Indian burial ground.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's very, very true. It's all tied together.
0: So do you like horror genre? I love it. You like
1: I don't particularly care for like the Jasons and the you know those those um, those type of movies. I'm more into the like the Amityville horror type stuff mm-hmm. because it's what I you know what I went through I like to see other people's experiences. What's the scariest
0: um, scary movie that I yeah, Oh,
1: gosh the scariest scary movie was The conjuring to me.
0: Conjuring. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah, it was scary because it was, it was, I can relate to it. And just being a child that young and not having a voice, it was very scary. Yeah. Just seeing that. Because I, I believe The Conjuring is based on actual events. Yeah, as
0: well. the, the psychic detectives.
1: Yeah. Who, uh, yeah. What's it well, called? one's a
0: psychic. The other one's an exorcist.
1: Yeah, that's right. It was John, what was it? Uh, Lorraine and. I forgot her Name. I think they're both disused now I want to
0: say it's John
1: I want to say John and Lorraine I could be wrong
0: uh, yeah them blanking on the names
1: yeah
0: uh, yeah yeah they did a lot of a yeah. lot of different cases actual people yeah. uh, not as dashingly good looking in real life but <laughs> I understand
1: oh god they've yeah they've and they collected a lot of different um, items ties. yeah, yeah mm-hmm. from their investigations and I mean it's it, Having those in your possession, I mean, that's a real thing because those entities can tie themselves to objects. Yeah, there
0: was a there was an old TV show that my mom used to watch, and I forgot what it's called, but it was like a guy who owned this like antique shop. And I think that's who it was based off of, but mm-hmm. something happened to the antique shop got broken into, and like all the like a bunch of items came up missing. And the show was them just tracking down these haunted artifacts or yeah. you know cursed artifacts and collecting them back, and it was just like. After I mm-hmm. saw that, I was like, "Oh shit, he has one too!"
1: Great. <laughs> no, the yeah, those shows are so <coughs> humorous. Um, and not just look at all these paranormal shows out here, and then most of them are led by real skeptics—people that just want to be out there just to see if it's real and mm-hmm. still not believe it, even if something happens. And, and then there's the ones that just want to make the money off of the promotions of it.
0: There was just one on uh, Netflix. It was a uh, Korean, I believe.
1: A Korean one.
0: Yeah, it's oh, like they enter this yeah. asylum. I, mean, I think it might be like called asylum, actually. But mm. it, it was, yeah, it was really creepy. Uh, hmm. Haunting of Hill House was really good.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a good one. You saw that? I have. I have oh, great one. I want to see that the Haunting
0: of Bly House.
1: The Bly House?
0: Haunting of Bly House. It, yeah, it just came on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to see that, too. But yeah. Love Halloween. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Scary movie. Sinister was really good, too. That was mm. very disturbing.
1: Yeah. Interesting season.
0: Yeah, Candyman was my scariest movie of all time.
1: Candyman?
0: Yes, don't even say the name out loud. Candyman. Well, it's not mirrors in here, so.
1: (laughs) I'll save that last one for the next time I see you. You won't see me again. (laughs) Maybe we'll see each other virtually. No. Zoom.
0: Still reflection, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I'm not gonna get murdered for
1: kissing. Me. No. You're cute, but mm-hmm. yeah. no. I'm not
0: hooked to the back, cute.
1: No, no. It's and it's so funny because people think what what I got going on, you know, that I don't have a social life or that I don't have a normal, that's a normal regular schmagerel life, which I do. I still have this part of me, and then there's this this hey, I'm still a human part of me. Wait. Still go out.
0: You're a human?
1: I think so. I just okay. checked to make sure I had I skin. I don't, don't want to. It's <laughs>
0: 2020. I don't want to cross any lines here. Oh, soon. yeah. You
1: you can. not How do you identify, ma'am? <laughs> human. That's how human, I identify. Okay, got
0: you. Human, <laughs> female,
1: um, black. Uh, there's so many different crazy new identities. Like, I was going down this list, and it was like, are you... Uh, Female, male, what's the other part? Um, identify as male and female, or it's just so many crazy identities. I just.
0: Yeah, call me old fashioned.
1: <laughs> I'll just stick with the I'm a girl. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but uh, what do you have planned for the future with Pink Street Paranormal?
1: Um, ultimately, my, my goal with Pink Street Paranormal is to turn um, my investigations into maybe a series, a television series and to bring um, real life experiences and exposure to what's going on in Missouri. Um, as I spoke about earlier in the segment with the whole psychologically impacted law that Missouri adopted, I want to um, work on getting that reversed mm-hmm. back to its original, original stance where you have to disclose what's been um, happening to particular properties. I want to get that law changed back because I just don't feel like it's fair to people to have to walk into these situations blindly.
0: I agree. That's the start of many a scary movie.
1: <laughs> what do you mean? We
0: bought a house that the family was murdered at. And just like yeah,
1: yeah, and it's it's yeah. Now
0: we're living it's in good. a haunted house.
1: Yeah, and you know most people they don't they're like um, psychologically impacted. What does that mean exactly? <laughs> it just means the mental state of the individual and their belief strategies and systems and how they view their own property. Man.
0: You watch Lovecraft Country?
1: Oh, it's it's crazy. You notice most of the states on the southeast side northeast side, they require you to disclose what's going on. Like in oh. salem or yeah, I was about
0: in to say, all, yeah, a all lot of a lot of death in that.
1: There is a lot.
0: A whole lot of death. Damn. Damn.
1: Yeah, and, and believe it or not, the trail of death m- just migrated all the way through the Midwest. Yeah,
0: from the yeah. South to the Midwest, mm-hmm. and it just keeps on going.
1: It's all, it's all over the place.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one thing we started uh, doing with this show, uh, closing out, is just our second we start to call Roses where you get the opportunity to thank anyone out there who might be listening and might have had an impact in your life, somebody special took the time to help you develop your skills to get you to the place you are now.
1: You know, I would like to thank my kids just for tolerating and being able to adapt to what I'm dealing with because that was the hardest part is talking to my kids about it and getting their acceptance. So I, I love them and I thank them for being a part of my life and keeping me strong and um, supporting me but ultimately i like to thank my father because i don't believe i would be able to come out with what my experiences are if i had not had um had those experiences with him and with his passing it just brought me to me i was able to get acquainted with myself gotcha and that's all feather roses
0: Okay, straight <laughs> up. I appreciate that, man. But yeah, I thank you so much for coming through. It is so dope to be able to sit down and talk to you about all this stuff because I don't yeah. get to sit down and talk to about, you know, people about this kind of stuff. So yeah. I'm sure there's so many people who's listening right now and be like, yo, this is so dope. Man, I'm sure there's a few people who's probably watching that snippet on <laughs> like, Facebook like, ah, she just scared the hell out of me. Thanks. Yeah. I got to go to sleep. I gotta
1: sleep. yeah so I got to sleep. Thanks a lot. Walk you
0: downstairs and then go back <laughs> up all by myself. All by
1: yourself.
0: Yeah, thanks yeah. for that over there but wow. yeah i really hope you keep in contact and keep yeah. me posted on everything happening i mean any help i can give on your endeavors please let me know uh, production yeah. wise i'm here trying to help out my fellow content creators in yeah. any capacity so yeah i, I yeah. definitely tell the folks where they can get a hold of you at
1: absolutely um pink street paranormal i'm on facebook youtube twitter instagram all the same name on all those social media platforms pink street paranormal message me and if you're experiencing something that, you know, you want to have somebody come and take a look into, just hit me up.
0: Dope, dope. Yeah, yeah. check her out. Check out her book 10 Feet Under. That sounds super interesting coming as well. Soon. Uh, coming soon. Coming yeah. soon. I'll let you guys know that as well. But, yeah, I'm so super happy. Uh, this will be a part of my Halloween Halloween week. Uh, so, yeah, it's so dope. I was able to find people to kind of fit the hallmark of the my most favorite holiday in the entire world. But I'm... Yeah, it's, it is super scary. It's super uh, scary. Yeah, <laughs> not you, though. You're fine. Don't worry. I'm, Don't worry about that. You're,
1: I'm good. I'm, yeah. Nothing wrong with me.
0: No. Okay, when you did that, yeah, it did look like it was kind of. got to keep my eye on that one. Yeah, that's oh, cool.
1: There. Hey, I'm used
0: to it. Yeah, it's your little boots. Little boots and little
1: thumpers. You're not going to let that go, are you? No, I'm not. I mean, it's the in holiday. My, Come on.
0: Save man. your name in my phone as little boots.
1: You know what? If you do that, hey, it's done. It's okay. It happened. I'm gonna just, you know? I'm gonna just save you as night light. Night light. Yeah, cause you're light skin and you're glowing in here, so I'm gonna call you night light.
0: Okay, see? I mean you can work on that stuff if you want. It <laughs> doesn't have to be a permanent one. But
1: I think I'm gonna. It's not that.
0: as good as the little boots, but we'll oh. we'll go with that. Go with that.
1: Whatever makes you sleep at night. With, uh-huh. it, with it, Whatever
0: makes you sleep at night Whatever
1: makes me sleep at night Yeah. Uh. You know what You know
0: what i <laughs> <laughs> uh, are not going there John Michael I mean I'm It's a podcast I can go wherever I like mm, But true. you're a paranormal investigator
1: Yeah So mm-hmm. not
0: your field Anywho
1: Hey <laughs> I got a lot of fields But oh, you know yeah. we're okay. not going to talk about those
0: I forgot you've done everything yeah,
1: We're not
0: Oh, we'll wait till I stop recording, then you can tell me all about your all about your days in Vegas.
1: I've never been to Vegas, oh, Michael.
0: I've never been there as an adult.
1: I've never been there.
0: Let's go. Let's okay. go. Okay. Get in your car. Zip line. Sure.
1: That's all I want to do. Okay. I heard there
0: was a thing out there. Yeah, there is a thing out there. Mm. I'll be right there at the bottom line for you to come down. See,
1: you know what? We cannot go to Vegas. I'll be like this. You have to be <laughs> Just the, that's that's the baby. Okay, John Michael is extending his arms as if you were holding or trying to pick up a baby. Okay, that is not baby. that is not even appropriate. To say. Are you
0: gonna just zip line into? Like, oh, look at her!
1: That's not even fun. I'm really, I mean, it's the boots, isn't
0: it? It's the little boots.
1: That, they're, they're not little. This is the seven. And they a give
0: a half you like two inches.
1: Not even two inches. <laughs> it's like an inch and a half. You know, we're not having a discussion. <laughs>
0: Anyways, you guys don't want to hear this? Pandering. <laughs> Pandering. She's flirting with me. Oh so my god! It's, it's adorable.
1: Oh, how could you?
0: Yeah, I know. She's 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 smiling as she says it.
1: Uh, yeah. It's
0: stop smiling.
1: If I stop smiling. Stop it. Then you'll be concerned.
0: Cut it out. Like you're doing it.
1: I can't undo it. Stop it's more it. Straight face. Permanent. Three, two. No poker.
0: That's horrible. (laughs) You might need to just
1: (laughs) see that. You, I like to laugh. Okay, Mm -hmm. despite what I've gone through, I'm a, I'm a very animated person. I laugh through everything. That's the worst poker face. That's a pokerless face that you have right there. I think your eye even started swelling up a little bit. If the viewers could actually see this expression. On <laughs> I know you face.
0: guys are missing out on all this <laughs> this greatness that she's just taking. taking for granted. God. Oh my
1: God.
0: Just take a moment. Soak it up.
1: Oh Drink it in. Okay. Absorb. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> but you know what? I appreciate um, you bringing me on and tapping into my world, Absolutely. as I call it. Um, it, it. Creating this platform is awesome. I, I've checked out a lot of the, your podcasts and... Um, your content and your your subjects of discussion are awesome so i love what you're doing here with the community and thank bringing you likes and stuff so
0: thank you i am awesome and i'm just Thanks. trying to make you guys awesome too but that's my job here to <laughs> to take you folks and try to try to see where you are now just yeah. get you up there at jm level
1: that's that's, awesome. that's
0: the alchemy i'm performing here
1: that's awesome yeah. and the name itself alchemy oh it's deep it's, it's deep. oh I, I i i believe it
0: but I'm gonna let you get back to your to your life outside of my podcast. Thank
1: you. It's not as
0: interesting. It's not as fun. It's, it's not, not as thought provoking. I, I could stay here all inspiring. Wow. Well, anyway.
1: So boring, my life. Well, but, but I appreciate it. Thank you for having me
0: on. My pleasure. Please come back anytime. We'll do. Or have me on your show. I'll that go, I will do. I'll go hunt some ghosts. <laughs> I'm Jam Banks. This is Urban Alchemy Podcast. I'd like to thank you all once again for joining us. And you all stay safe, stay blessed, and I will catch you all later.